Okay, so what I want to do is really just finish up uh, the halachas of Natilas Yadayim. We've been discussing the laws of washing one's hand uh, for the last two weeks, and we'll finish it up now. I hope we'll finish it up. No, we'll ever, not, you're never completely done, but at least to go through some of the more relevant halachas um, as we've been discussing. Let's pick up with the scenario where we basically left off with last week, which is what to do when you don't have any water. This scenario happens <clears throat> um, more often than one would think, uh, certainly on a plane, you know, we had a situation really which we could just, I guess, tie in last week's situation where your water source is in a bathroom. What do you do with that scenario? There really are two elements to address on washing on a plane. There really a third, a third, a, a third element, which you'll remind me about afterwards. But as far as washing goes, so number one, can you wash in a bathroom? Are you allowed to do so? So that issue gets us to reviewing what we spoke about week one, which is remembering that the mitzvah really should be done after you make a bracha, meaning I should say that the other way around. First we make a bracha, then we do the mitzvah. That's always the pattern. Etzilus Yadayim is one of the exceptions to that, in which we wash our hands and then we make a bracha. We discussed that really, therefore, it's important that the bracha should be made immediately after washing the hands while your hands are still wet. That's when you're supposed to make the bracha. That's the process of Natilas Yadaim as we discussed week one. So are you allowed to wash in the bathroom? So the answer is uh, yes and no. Certainly not ideal under normal circumstances, but again, we're talking about a not normal circumstance. I'm on a plane. This is the only option that I have. So you can... But in a situation in which you're washing in a bathroom, the ideal situation would be not to dry your hands in the bathroom, but to be able to dry them outside of the bathroom so that you can make the bracha before drying your hands. That's the ideal scenario for being in a plane. That does not always work for various reasons. If you're in a situation where you have to dry your hands and you're still in the bathroom, and then you have to walk outside of the bathroom, you still can make the bracha al-natilas yadayim. But ideally, that would be the way to do it. Wash your hands inside the bathroom, take a paper towel, at least to open up the, the latch to be able to get outside without completely drying your hands. And then while your hands are still a little bit wet, make the bracha and then go back to your seat for your challah. The other issue which comes up in a bathroom takes us back to last week's class, which is how much water do you have to use? So we mentioned that the cup that you use has to hold a revius. It has to hold about three ounces. We also discussed that in a time of need, you can use a paper cup. Both of those scenarios come into play when you're washing in a plane. You normally don't have any real sense of a cup. You have maybe a plastic cup that came in your uh, airplane food that uh, arrived. You could take the plastic cup with you or maybe you have a paper cup you can get from the stewardesses like that they give out for water. So you have a, uh, a cup. And as long as it holds three ounces, uh, you can use that. But sometimes you don't have enough water. Remember, the minimum amount you need is just to get your hands wet. Minimally, minimally, we said from the knuckles down to your fingers. That has to get completely wet. Ideally, you want to get your whole wrist. We also discussed last week, you there's no maximum or minimum amount of water that you need just enough to get your hands wet. But that's where we said there's a difference between one wash and two washes. If you're using more than a revius of water, more than three to four ounces, then you really only need one ounce, one wash. But if you're using a little bit less, then you would do it twice. So in a, in a plane where you have a limited amount of water that you have and you're trying to get this done, that's where you'd have to for sure wash twice to make sure that you got at least from your knuckles down to your fingers completely wet and then you wanted to wash that off again. And then again, you try to make the bracha outside of the bathroom and that's your ideal scenario for being able to wash. The third issue which comes up 
which is the whole concept of Mizono's bread. Do you really need to wash for the roll that they're providing you or the bagel they're providing you on the plane? That is a whole separate issue which we discuss when we discuss the, the laws of brachos, and that depends as to why you're eating the bread. If you're eating it as a meal, so then, even if it's Mizona's bread, then you still have to wash because it's bread. You're treating it as bread. The Mizona's bread really only helps if you're eating it as a snack. So that really depends on how you're eating it. Um, if, you're, if it's part of your meal, you're eating it as a meal, so then you have to wash in that anyway. And then that would be the scenario to do so on a plane. But that's a whole other discussion, uh, which is not what we're doing right now. Back to our discussion. Well, what if I can't get to the bathroom? I can't, I can't get to the bathroom, I can't get to water, or I'm traveling in a way where there is no accessibility. I'm in a car, and I don't have, you know, like a plane at least, you have a bathroom with you. But if you're in a car, uh, you simply don't have that. What's the halacha then? So there, this is addressed in a couple of different scenarios. Let's talk about them. Some of them are less applicable than others, but let's at least talk about all of them. So the Gemara talks about using a mikvah for Natilas Yadayim instead of actually pouring on your water. And one is allowed to use that, and then you would dip your hands in the mikvah. Again, the whole concept of washing our hands was to purify our hands the same way that the Kohanim would have to do that before eating truma. If you would give them, you know, you'd separate your grain and give that to a Kohen as truma, he would have to wash his hands before eating it. And so the sages enacted that we need to do the same. So certainly you could dip your hands in a mikvah as well. Now, if you had a mikvah, you probably have water. But you might be in a scenario where there are other bodies of water which count or would qualify as a mikvah. For example, a lake or an ocean. So if you were out on a boating trip um, or on the beach or in a scenario like that and I don't have any running water that I can use to wash for my picnic, you could dip your hands in a lake or in an ocean and that will count as your Natilas Yadayim for you to be able to eat bread as well. Similarly, in a time of great need, we usually don't like to rely on this, but you could use snow as well. I have to throw this in for the Montrealers. You could also use snow if you were in a situation in which you didn't have any water, but you were surrounded by snow. You could put your hands in if you were so desperate to be able to eat as well. We'll get to scenarios in a but that's, again, not so... Um, relevant where you'd be in such a situation, but that would work, uh, an ocean and a lake. There is one interesting difference. Uh, there is one interesting difference between, I'm just going to try to mute everybody. Let me just claim the host so that I could do that. Um, there is one interesting difference between... Uh, Bela, if is not muted, she doesn't I'm sorry, I'm sorry, yeah. sorry, I didn't notice. I apologize. That's okay. okay, we're good. I was just about to do it, but it's all covered. Um, <clears throat> and that is the bracha is different whether or not you are using water that would be usable to use for Natil Asyadayim. What do I mean by that? If you remember from last week as well, we discussed what type of water qualifies for Natil Asyadayim. It has to be drinkable, not just to a human, but even an animal would drink it. If it's drinkable water that an animal would drink, then you're allowed to use it for Natil Asyadayim as long as it hasn't already been used for something else, like washing the dishes or somebody else washed their hands in it, like we discussed last week. So that means that if it's a freshwater lake, you would dip your hands in, and since technically that's water that you could have used for Natilas, if you had a cup with you, you could take water from there and pour it over your hands. You don't have a cup, so you're just going to dip it in. You would make the same bracha al Natilas Yadayim like you would under a normal circumstance. If you are on an ocean, 
um, and it was salty. You were at a beach, and, and even an animal couldn't drink the water because it's, it's not drinkable water. Then, if you dipped your hands in, we actually would switch the bracha. It would no longer be an al-nitilas yadayim. We would say al-tevilas yadayim, like to dip, to immerse my hands in such a situation. It's an interesting halacha, so that if you were dipping your hands into a lake because you didn't have a cup, you're out on a boating trip, and you dipped your hands into the lake, you would still make an al-nitilas yadayim. If you were at a beachfront and you had no water available other than the ocean, and you had no cup to use, which, again, that water is not really usable uh, for, for, I mean, if you did have a cup, you can't use ocean water because it's not, it's not drinkable. Your only option is to dip in that like a mikvah, and then since it's not really drinkable water, you would say the bracha of al-tevilas yadayim. Okay, back to a more realistic or, or common scenario, which is simply you're in a car and you don't have any water. What do you do for Nitilas Yadayim? So the Mishnah says, the Mishnah says that a soldier at war was not required to do Nitilas Yadayim, which is understood as in a, in a, in a, he's in a situation where he can't. It would be putting himself in danger to go look for water. So he's exempt from this requirement and he doesn't need to look for water as well. The Gemara also then addresses in that discussion, well, what about somebody who's traveling and cannot get water, doesn't have water with them? What's the requirement of a traveler? So the Gemara establishes the rules and the rules are as follows. If you're headed towards a place where you will be able to get water when you get there, you are required to travel a certain distance, which was four mil. Mil was a measure of distance. It took 18 minutes to walk a mill. So it was a total of 72 minutes. You would have to travel 72 minutes towards your destination if you'll be able to get water in that destination before being able to eat. So I, I want to eat now. I don't have any water. But within an hour and 12 minutes from where I am, in 72 minutes, I'll get to water. So then keep going. You're not going out of your way. You'll be able to get water. If there will not be water within 72 minutes ahead of me, but there was water, I passed a place a minute ago. So then you're required to go back one mil or 18 minutes worth of travel behind you or to the right or to the left out of the way that you were otherwise going in order to be able to procure water. Remember again, the times that the Gemara is talking about is not like today where there are rest stops every couple of miles. We're talking where if you passed one place of water, you're not going to get another one for who knows how long. So there are specific places where water was available. 72 minutes ahead of you or 18 minutes out of your way, which is a total of 36 minutes, 18 minutes to get to it and then 18 minutes back to the road, you would be obligated still to travel to get to that water. That's the, the way the Gemara establishes. Now, if being in a plane or a train or a car, it's not a matter of distance, it's a matter of time. So it's always the same amount of time. It's always, can I get to water within 72 minutes? Then I'm obligated to do so. If I can get to water by going out of my way within 18 minutes of going out of my way, then I'm similarly obligated to do so as well in order to be able to get um, that water. So that's how we would deal with this. I know your person's in a car and uh, they want to eat. You want to have your bagel and uh, there's no water in the car. It says, I need a wash. So, okay, well, there's no water. So do you throw up your hands and say, there's no water? We go to the next step of the equation. What do I do when there's no water? Can I get water? Well, in, in most circumstances today on the road, hard to imagine a circumstance where within uh, 72 minutes of driving, you will not get to some type of rest stop where you can stop and get access to water. Buy a bottle of water, get into a bathroom somewhere. Hard to imagine that scenario in the way that we travel today, but there could be such a, such a circumstance where uh, there is no accessibility to water. A person could be in a plane and for whatever reason, 
you, you can't access the water. There's there such a situation. So if there, you're in a place where I can't get water within the next 72 minutes, so then 100% you're absolved from that. Or if you can't go with, within going backwards. What do you do in a situation where water is simply not available? Now what happens? Okay, I can't. I can't get to the water. Or a person's uh, starving, they're famished, the kids are going crazy, I can't get water. It's not available. Now, now what do you do when you hit that situation? Either because it's not available with where I am at all, it won't be available within an hour either. What do I do? So on that, there's an interesting dispute. What is required once you get into the category where you're exempt? There's no, no water is not available now. Now what happens? So the Shulchan Aruch, uh, Rabbi Yosef Cairo rules stringently in this matter based on the opinion of the Aruch, based on an understanding of a Gemara, that what you're required to do at that point is wrap your hand in a cloth or in a glove, and then you can eat the bread where you're not touching the bread because your hand is wrapped up in something else, literally in a glove, or you have to take a cloth um, and wrap your hand uh, in the cloth as such, and then you use your wrapped up hand to hold on to the bread, and then you eat it like that, wearing, where you have some type of, uh, have to be bigger than a tissue, obviously, to totally wrap up your hand. And that's, that's when you don't have water, then you could wrap your hand up in a cloth and be able to eat. The Ramah, Ramesha Islis, rules a little bit more leniently and says, you don't actually have to wrap up your hand, you just have to not touch the bread with your hand. So that if you're using a spoon, a fork, a knife, as long as you don't touch bread, again, most breads we actually touch, bagels, challah, sandwiches, are the way we eat bread is actually by touching it with our hand. We hold bread in our hand. There are certain types of bread dishes that we don't, but most of the time we eat bread with our hands. So the Ramah says, in a situation in which you cannot... Um, in a situation in which you cannot uh, uh, wash, you would just simply don't touch it. The Mishnah Bruroi concludes based on this dispute and says you should generally rule stringently on this. You should, the only time in a case, again, in which you don't have water, which is the way that you should eat your bread, it should be done by wrapping your hand in a cloth. That should be the way to do it. If that's not possible. There's what to rely on simply by not touching the bread, but that's really not the ideal way that we would do it. Again, in a case in which you could not get water within an hour, if you can get out water within an hour and you're just too lazy to stop or you don't want to stop because it's going to delay your trip, that's not what we're talking about. Then don't eat your bread. Find something else to eat. If you can get water within an hour, that's what we do. You have to stop and get water uh, to wash your hands. We're talking where you can't get water within an hour. So there, the, we rule stringently. You need to wrap your hands up in a cloth. The Ramah says uh, you can... Um, simply not touch the bread. There is an opinion to wipe your hands on grass that's generally not accepted in halacha, but there is such an opinion that is quoted of wiping your hands on grass. But the, the, the preferred method would be either to really to wrap your hands up in a cloth. That really comes from the, the, the more as a discussion about a Kohen who can't wash. Is he allowed to eat truma? So a Kohen was given that leniency of being able to wrap his hand up in a cloth and eat the truma um, as follows. And we do the same thing as far as uh, being able to eat bread. but So that's what we would do. Again, most scenarios in the way we live today and travel today, water will be available within an hour without going out of your way. Continuing on the road that you're on, it's again, it's always possible, but most of the times you can uh, get to water and all you need to do is get to a rest stop, buy a bottle of water and then you're good. You know, you, you use your bottle and, and wash uh, outside of your car is, is, uh, is totally fine. But if it, whatever the situation is where you can't, that's where he's at. In a situation 
where you have water and you just, you know, like wrapping your hand doesn't work. In other words, that is not, that was a leniency given to a person who doesn't have water. Somebody who's in a car or in a plane and just doesn't want to bother somebody by going out to the bathroom to get water, it's inconvenient. Just saying, I'm not touching the bread doesn't help. That was a leniency that Chazal created for someone who doesn't have water, someone who has water and doesn't want to go through the effort to be able to um, to use it would not uh, suffice. Going back again over what we spoke about last week, in a plane, if you're on a bathroom in a plane, you do need a cup um, to be able to take the water from the faucet and then be able to pour it over your hands. You do need a cup for that. We discussed the halacha that the Gemara says you need to have a cup. We also mentioned last week a, a leniency, which again, we try not to rely on, which says that if the source of water is in a vessel, like in certain places in Israel where the water is kept on the roofs. So then if you don't have a cup, you can rely on the just pouring it straight out of the faucet because the water actually came from a kli, it came from a vessel, not just from the, um, not just from the pipes uh, from the city, but there was an actual vessel in which it was held. So a plane would be a similar scenario. There's an actual vessel, obviously, in the plane that's holding the water. And when you are getting it into the, the bathroom faucet, it's just simply coming from that vessel onto your hands. So if you didn't have a cup in the bathroom, that would be a place where we could rely on that to use just the water straight onto your hand. But really, you should get a cup. You know, there are, again, cups and planes are available. You go you get, ask for a cup of water from the stewardess. Uh, they'll gladly give you. There are tons of cups available, usually. Unless you're flying certain airlines, which I will not mention by name, that, well, you know, they charge you, they nickel and dime you for everything. Uh, you, being a carry-on, they'll charge you. You take a cup, they'll charge you. So, okay, they're also okay, so it's worth it to spend 10 cents um, to be able to fulfill the mitzvah appropriately. But again, in a plane would be the place where you could rely on not having a cup because we do know that the water was held in a kli. It was held in a vessel and that's how you're getting it as opposed to just in your regular house. We would really, we would not rely on that. And again, in your house, you always do have a vessel. So it's easier to do that as far as that goes. One last thing on the Tilas Yadayim. Um, in a mall, no, in a mall would not be the same because there's no reason to assume that the water is being held in a vessel in a mall. It's a regular, it's being piped in like anywhere else. So in a mall, you also should get a cup. And again, uh, in a mall, it's hard to imagine that within a 72-minute walk, even in the Mall of America, it's not 72 minutes to walk from one end to the other end. You could find the food court, a kiosk, and get yourself a cup um, <coughs> or a bottle of water uh, somewhere. Uh, so it's like, again, it, it's the effort. Uh, yes, I know it's inconvenient, um, but it, it, even in a mall it, where you could buy yourself a bottle of water, buy yourself a cup and being able to, uh, to wash appropriately um, in those uh, scenarios. There is a, a, a major discussion, which I'm just going to quickly mention, that another aspect that needs a washing is when you ha- have a fruit that's dipped in water that gets wet. Um, this also goes back to the times of the Mishnah where the Kohanim dealt with Tumah and Tahara, ritual purity and impurity, and there were seven liquids that could allow a fruit to then become Tameh that a Kohen would then have to wash his hands for as well. And that was also originally instituted, this is why you're all familiar with this, at the Pesach Seder, before we dip the Karpas into the salt water, we wash our hands without a bracha, but we wash our hands. Why do we wash our hands before dipping uh, the, 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 the Karpas into the salt water? Because there was a concept that just like we wash our hands for bread, we also would wash our hands for um, fruit or vegetables that were dipped in a liquid. Once it gets dipped in a liquid, it becomes susceptible to becoming tame, ritually impure, and then we'd have to wash our hands before eating it, which we do every year at the Pesach Seder. That is the case, and there are those pious Jews who are 
careful about this all year round, that if the apple they wash is still a little bit wet, they would wash their hands before eating it. But there is, uh, there is what to rely on not to be so stringent upon that since it's simply not done today. We don't deal with that in the same way. But there is such a concept. It would be inappropriate to at least mention the laws of Natilos Yadayim without mentioning that fruit that gets wet um, Certainly at one point for sure required until it's a dime, but there's what to be, relu- what to be lenient on uh, today. But again, that is the reason why we do that at the Pesach Seder um, at, uh, at Karpas. Okay, those are some of... Uh, yeah, yeah, we spoke about washing one time instead of two last week uh, at length, that as long as you're using more than a revius of water, um, it is fine to wash just once. Yes, Abi. I, I was on... Thank you for the share. I was under the impression that the modern bathrooms, at least 